0: Welcome to Man Reads Monday. I am Aaron Ventura. He is Jacob Rush. Let's get to work. Jacob, what are we working through today?
1: Today, we are back in more than a battle. How to experience victory, freedom, and healing from lust by Dr. Joe Rigney. And we are in chapters two and three.
0: Yeah, so chapter two is called Starve the Beast. And chapter three is How Do Humans Work? So we're going to uh, be getting into kind of the practicals of either – a guy is coming to you seeking help. Right. How do we help them? Or you're in that position of, I need help. How, uh, what steps do I need to take? And so we're just going to kind of walk through chapter two. And, and he begins mm. this way. He says, uh, pretty much the first question we need to ask ourselves and the ones we are mentoring is, how serious are you about resisting sin? Right. Um, it's like, how bad do you, do you want it? Do you really want to change? Because he says, if they don't want help, Actually, mm-hmm. they don't want to change, or if they're just there because
1: they uh, feel bad, they feel bad, right? I should talk to somebody about this because I just need some kind of outlet <clears throat> to make the guilt go away. Yeah. So, if it's a quick release, is this a quick release valve? Is basically what he's saying. Yeah. Is this guy just, you know, he just messed up. He, well, not messed up, he <laughs> sinned, right? Uh, and I need to just get this off my conscience, or do I actually want to change? Yeah. Do I actually want to make progress against this sin?
0: Yeah. And I think. Not everyone maybe knows that themselves, right? So as we'll see, like, we lie to ourselves all the time. Right. And sometimes we think we want to change, but then our actions prove otherwise. I mean, we right. see this every time, to- every year with New Year's resolutions. We want to lose weight. To lose weight. Beach bad. Do whatever.
1: Yeah, and build then, a hobby, a habit.
0: Yeah, but if you haven't actually taken steps or accountability or plans, well, we would say mm, maybe you want that, mm. but there are higher desires, stronger desires that are winning out, namely to eat more tacos mm. or to have that second helping of ice cream or or whatever it is. Right. And uh we need to figure out um is is this person or am I actually at a place where I really want to change. And, right. and uh, so here's the thing. If you are a born-again Christian, if you have the Spirit of God in you, uh, the bottom desire is to be like Christ. Right. All right. So, there are, if you can imagine your heart's desire like this stream, and it's a pure stream At the very head of it, you know, the Mm. the fountain head is a pure stream because that's where the spirit is. Jesus says living waters will flow out of you. So if you're truly born again, that's true. However, we know there is this other thing, our flesh, our evil desires that throw garbage into that fountain. So that by the time it moves the will, uh, it, it often is corrupted completely to the point where we do things that... We we ought not do mm-hmm. so. We have to try to sort through that, and and one of the ways he does that with guys is by uh, this this thing he does called starving the beast, yeah. and and the way he puts it this way. So h- how do you find out? Uh, by creating space by starving the beast, which is to establish artificial boundaries. In relation to sexual temptation, uh, which most often means identifying the access point and completely removing it. So, if the access point is internet pornography, then uh, artificial boundary might be no internet use alone. Yeah. Uh, any comments so far?
1: Yeah. So, so he mentions so. Connected to the question mark of how serious are you about <clears throat> getting rid of the sin, because we live in such a FOMO age, techni- technologically um, integrated age, where we can't imagine life with these artificial boundaries. Mm-hmm. Right? He he gives so some examples are um, getting rid of your smartphone, for example. Yeah. For instance, like we can't imagine getting rid of your smartphone, going back to a Nokia or a flip phone, yeah. because. Um, s- I think we, one, we wrongly believe that you have to have this in order to, um, you know, live. But then two, there's just a, almost a baseline, um, almost another kind of lust, right? A lust for this um, instant connection, this being like everybody else. That's going to be weird. That's going to be awkward if I'm in the room and everybody's got their iPhones out and I pull out my flip phone and somebody says, hey... Didn't you have an iPhone? Why do you have a Why do you have a flip phone now? Yeah. Right now, now I've got to have an awkward conversation. Um, But I think it's important because it gets back to what you're saying: is how How serious are you about this? What kind of inconvenience are you willing to accept for yourself in order to make war against your flesh? And it utilizes that first main. uh, lens that he wants to talk about, which is the battle lens. Yeah. I think it's important that he starts with that one because that's going to gauge: okay, do you at bottom see this as a as a problem? And if so, to what degree are you going to? What tactic are you willing to use to actually move forward?
0: Yeah. So this takes a little bit of work to find out, and and it takes some frank conversation to discuss. Mm-hmm. Okay, how is it that you wind up in this place? And, and it and I think most of the time, most of the time we're talking about pornography. If it was a situation where it is a, a actual relationship, right. for example, sometimes you need other kinds of uh, even more drastic boundaries. Like, yeah. you cannot talk to that person anymore, kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, sometimes you actually have to completely cut out an ex who keeps, you know, pulling you about, oh, I want to get back together. And you just right. know that's a toxic person. And uh, a lot of times if you're like a new Christian and you're coming from maybe a background that is full of ungodly friends and bad influences, this is like the same kind of thing with drugs, right? Yeah, It's like we already talked about uh, porn as this kind of, Polydrug. Yeah. Poly drug. And with real drugs, it's a similar thing. There's a time of detox. Like I remember in Florida, mm-hmm. a, a guy just showed up on our doorstep. We let him uh, sleep at our house. It was a house just full of guys. So we, we were fine with him staying there. And then I took him to a like a drug rehab center. But this place is like a prison right yeah you they're they're kind of doing this they're trying to they're trying to starve the beast so you can actually get clean right and then work with you until you actually have some self-control again mm-hmm. so i mean that's the level we're talking about and as uh, as with like a a drug addict or an alcohol uh, someone who calls himself an alcoholic uh, a drunk uh, there are people there are ways you can actually get clean but right. not everyone is at the point of I'm willing to commit myself to an institution right. to get that uh, clean cleanness, to get yeah. that out.
1: And this is where actually um, this kind of ca- – Gets you know segues into the next section, asking the question about legalism because yeah. um, there are creative ways that he's going to say to create artificial boundaries. Because again, the objection becomes, oh, but I need my computer for work. Yeah. I need cell phone for mar- you know, for my social media business that I do, whatever. And he's going to say, okay, create bound, ba- creative boundaries that protect you. Like I can't get on the internet alone. Yeah. So I have to, or so if my wife's asleep. I've got to drive to the coffee shop in order to fulfill this. And the reason why I think that's genius is he connects it to this next question of, is that legalism? And he's going to say, no, it's not legalism because what we're trying to do is we're trying to retrain the conscience, right? We're trying to create battle lines 10 steps back so that um, your conscience is actually afflicted at that moment rather than, you know the other side of pornography. Because that's the problem. The problem is you have no, um, you have a desensitized conscience that's not warning you, right? And what we need to do is we need to make it feel um, attuned to these minor boundaries on our way to the big oops, right?
0: Yeah, he says the goal of this whole accountability confession thing is twofold. Number one, as you said, retrain the conscience so that it is not numb to sin. So this is one of the places where Often we don't even realize how desensitized we are. I remember when I was uh, in junior high and high school, and I started listening to rap music, and uh, like so, I still had these you know virgin ears. And I do not like cuss words. I, I just never. Yeah, I never liked that. Yeah, um, and so I would listen to like edited versions of extremely like <laughs> offensive, like you know the one where songs. like thirty
1: seconds is like blank, yeah, you know, so, on the radio, and you're like, huh? Yeah, <laughs> and
0: and it wasn't until I like stopped listening to that stuff altogether that I realized how much of an effect that it had on me, even if I wasn't listening to the words, but uh, the whole kind of spirit and uh, aggression and anger and right. things that that built up in me. So I did. I'm like I'm a kid. I didn't even know how uh influential that was on my actions right until it was out of my life and a lot of times we don't realize how easily we can be you know triggered (laughs) tempted to these things right um
1: by something like music yeah 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 Um, i mean or diet or sleep right yeah
0: so i'm reading this great book it's pretty much like the first Um, pastoral manual in church history, at least that we have extant. It's by uh, Gregory the Great, and this is like a 6th century document. It's called On Pastoral Care. And he has this really lengthy section where he just talks about how to minister and speak to, uh, exhort and admonish different kinds of people. And they tend to be like uh, how to talk to men versus women, how to talk to the rich versus the poor. And now we're getting into other sections where like someone who is uh, too generous with their money or, you know, li- they're very generous versus the one who is a little more stingy. Right. And he has a section on people who eat, uh, overeat and people who like fast and don't eat enough. <laughs> and one of the things he points out with overeating is how, when you are, um, uh, kind of a glutton or you're eating too much, it tends towards uh, what he calls lechery or lust. So he mm-hmm. connects the actual physical eating, overeating, with it tends to encourage lust. Mm-hmm. And and I found this to be true uh, in my own life and yeah. in other guys that I mentioned. But I've never like read it in a in a modern book that you know actually eating too much. Might be one of those things that stimulates you towards yeah. sexual sin, but we would not normally. We, that's kind of weird.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you think about it too, especially with um, the kind of recovery of masculinity and the push against effeminacy, right? Softness. Um, you can see how the lack of discipline in for something like eating or even drinking, right? Yeah. Knowing your limits of like, uh, am I push? Am I always pushing the edge of, yeah. you know, alcohol or desserts or whatever, right. or Am I? Can I enjoy it and be like, "That was good. I don't need it anymore." Yeah. And those things translate into things like lust. Yeah. Can I? You know. You know. Can I walk through a mall? And maintain control of my eyeballs, yeah. or have I been giving myself the pass yeah. and not disciplining, telling myself what I'm doing? Yeah. So absolutely, yeah. But we don't think about it. That doesn't. We don't naturally see the connection between those.
0: Yeah. Proverbs has this really fun section mm. on what happens to you under the influence of alcohol, where <laughs> you know someone can beat beat you up, and you're on the mast of a ship, <laughs> and everything's like, moving <laughs> and stuff, and and it's like. I found that is totally true where alcohol, so maybe you're not at the point of drunkenness, right? but you're feeling that relaxation and you're gu- basically the guard comes down kind of right. thing. And you sometimes realize like the, uh, Proverbs even says your heart will like utter certain things. Your thoughts are going to change and be different. Mm. And so when that guard comes down, maybe you aren't at the level of I've sinned in drinking. Right. But you are tempting yourself towards a place of lack of self-control where suddenly, oh, the waitress comes by Mm -hmm. and you think... Hmm. Whereas before you're, you were in there on a, it's not even a thought. Yeah. It wasn't <laughs> even a thought, but now that you have the, whatever is happening in your body w- under alcohol, yeah. it starts the to joy- kind of, yeah, yeah, your, your eyes linger Leiciness. longer than, than they should, that, that kind of thing. So yeah. we need to be aware of what kind of boundaries uh, we need to set uh, both for ourselves or, or for the, the men that we are ministering to. And just another note on the legalism thing. So uh, a lot of people, uh, legalism gets thrown around probably way more often than it should. But uh, legalism basically is turning uh, even a biblical law, right? And this is what the Judaizers were doing. They were turning a real command, circumcise. You're supposed to be circumcised. That was a command. God was, uh, uh, you remember when uh, (laughs) Moses' wife uh, circumcises her son and throws it, you know, you are a a bloody bridegroom to me. So it was like a big deal to do this. You'd be cut off from the land if you didn't do this. So that's a biblical command. The problem was they were making that the means of justification before God. Right. So you can do it with a biblical law, right? Or you can do it with you know the Pharisaical c- come up with laws, right. um, Or you can um, kind of create your own. You're creating your own system basically. Hmm. Um, but here he's going to say this is actually a good and necessary consequence of a biblical principle namely cut off you know if your hand causes you to sin cut it off so um, you can think of other ways this would uh, apply and we do this all the day all the time we don't even realize it where uh, the bible doesn't the bible doesn't actually say don't look at pornography right it doesn't actually say that anywhere Mm. but it does say that lust is a sin now, if one could watch pornography without lusting, right? And <laughs> and the extreme example is of the like Game of the police officer who, you know, is investigating a child uh, pornography crime right. and has to watch this to identify a child, right? right. So we, we actually have a hypothetical way in which sure. one might be able to watch this in actually a lawful way. But that's, you know, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the totally extreme right. case. But but that is an example of... of uh, so we make a good and necessary consequence from, you know, do not lust. Really, actually, it's a consequence from don't commit adultery. Right. The second therefore, don't lust. And <laughs> yeah. we're going to say, therefore, in this
1: case, you need to cut off the internet access. Right. Yeah. And so he's going to say, here's what you need to do. Yeah. Right. So you, um, the it gets back into the point of creating these artificial boundaries. Yeah. And he's going to say. So say your' he gives the example, the guy, your rule is you're not going to look uh, you're not gonna get on the internet, check your email, do anything unless you're with a somebody else. Yeah. So he's gonna say, you need to confess the sin of getting on your computer with the internet, even if you don't go and look at porn, right? right? Even if you get on, when your wife's asleep and just check your email yeah. and it was completely platonic. There was no temptation. <laughs> if you, if you've created that step boundary, you need to confess that as a sin to both God because you're yeah. word and then to your, your accountability guys, the guys in your life, because what you're trying to do is you're trying again to retrain your conscience. You need to rebuild what your sin and disobedience and the devil has torn down. Which is your defensive shield, your defensive walls against sin. Yeah. Uh, because if you if you don't start there, then how are you going to you know stand, um, you know three steps later yeah. down the line. One of the things
0: that I love about this, and uh, it kind of gets into why he doesn't recommend using something like Covenant Eyes or these automatic mm-hmm. report softwares. Right. That he, he says those can kind of short circuit this habit of taking responsibility and voluntarily confessing. So in right. this in this case we're saying okay, uh, either uh, get a dumb phone or cut off the internet or whatever it takes and and he gets he says the goal is to get that man to agree to that. Mm-hmm. And so we're kind of making we're making a little covenant here. We're saying all right, I'm not going to do this. Mm-hmm. And then so that by their word they have bound themselves so that if they violate it, mm-hmm. it's on them to come and say I, I did the thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, what it does actually is restores that's a way of restoring masculinity. Yeah. Because it's restoring responsibility yeah. to the man, treating and, them like a, a human, like a person. Yeah. So, it's actually dignifying, just like uh, the person who wants a handout. There are times where it's, you know, we should give uh, freely to those in need. But there's also times where you need to say no if you don't work, you don't eat. In a similar way, it's like, uh, if you, if you break this, you need to confess it and no one's going to hold your hand and police that Mm. it's, it's on you. And that is like being able to take off the training wheels Mm. and let the person be able to crash, but Mm. also get back up and try to ride again. Mm. Now, the one caveat he's going to mention is, uh, protecting your kids, for example, is different, so they're, they're right. servants, they're slaves in your in your house. Essentially, right, right. They, they must do. And so, uh, having kind of an internet software on your computer at home or, or the something, iPad, you know, yeah. whatever they're using to yeah.
1: you watch their, you know, kid show.
0: Yeah, and that at that point is a protection, protective barrier, right. for someone who doesn't have uh, that full um, responsibility yet. So, right. we, to their frame, according to their frame. We want to give responsibility and, and as much as responsibility as possible uh, for where they're at right um one of the other things he talks about here is uh, accountability so having those kinds of people you can trust specifically other men so this is uh, on page 41 a better way and he gets into this problem of confessing to your wife yeah so uh, uh <laughs> this is really interesting so basically if you make your wife your accountability partner. He says it kind of runs into a number of problems being she's the one who's giving you kind of absolution rather than God. Yeah. Um, and he has this great example of, um, so he, he says he'll want to confess her in order to get relief. He also knows that the confession will hurt her. And it, this is the analogy he uses in this scenario. Confessing sin is like throwing up. You feel relieved afterwards, but now your wife is covered in vomit. <laughs> That's like a great example of yep. why you um, want to be careful with what needs to be confessed and what doesn't, right. and have that input um, from other men. So here, so here's like the basic three-step uh, way of confession. So confess your sins to God uh, against you. You only have I sinned, Psalm fifty-one. Then uh, confess the sin to other man, to other men. Uh, he says without mince words or euphemism. So use the biblical words for sin, right? I lusted, I, I did this. And then confess to your wife with the appropriate level of detail. Only say what really needs to be said, knowing that God, God knows everything. And yeah. God is the one ultimately who's gonna be the, the judge of it.
1: Well, one of the things it reminds me of, uh, and Joe's got a chapter later on about nuisance lust, but um, if you go read the essay, Nuse, I think it's nuisance lust in yeah. how to exasperate your wife, he's talking about, you know, walking through the mall yeah. with, um, <laughs> you know, and with your wife passing yeah. by a, a lady who's not wearing as much clothes as she sh- should. Yeah. and And essentially... Some of this has to, uh, has to deal with how should you talk about your temptations with your wife yeah. um, with your uh, and then you know with your're engaged with the fiance as you think about, because when you marry somebody, you're not just marrying their strengths, you're marrying their weaknesses, you're marrying their temptations yeah. so it's helpful to, like you're saying to a certain degree to know where are you going to be tempted mm-hmm. And then f- the flip side in marriage is like, how can I serve you right It's like God gave. Man, wife, and wife, man. In order to avoid sexual immorality, yeah, right. So, um, so you don't want to be in the place where talking about okay, what is appropriate to share in terms of your um, with your wife when you when you sin sexually. Um, It's sort of like the same question of how much should you tell um, somebody that you were envying them? Yeah, right. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like I don't want to know. Right. Right. So, so it, it depends on how. Public the event. So, um, the, so struggling, uh, going and looking at porn, masturbating, um, is a, one category. Yeah. Uh, being at work and a thought going through your mind about the receptionist yeah. and ah, is another thing, <laughs> right? Um, if you confess the latter to your wife, every time you happens, yeah. like Joe says, you are, uh, <laughs> you are creating your own problem where you're, you are trustworthy in a certain sense, but you're teaching her to not trust you. Yeah. Um, and basically, I think learning to have those kind of conversations on how can I, as a, as a husband, bring my wife in as my helper yeah. to help me be strong against these kind of temptations um, rather than dumping them all on you. Like, yeah, I just like the example of like, hey, man, I was really envying you in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> and, but they had no idea. Yeah. Well, now they're going to, like, they're going to, if they're a good, Christian, they'll try to brush it off. But yeah. even, even if... It's like, I wish I didn't even yeah. want to have that thought in my because mind. Because now right? it's going to be hard for, for me to, yeah, you yeah. just create it's, other It's Yeah, it's, cha-
0: it's changed the nature of the relationship. And uh, th- this is one of the problems with, <laughs> like living in this sinful world Mm -hmm. is that there are certain things that cannot be fully reconciled Mm. until like we have new bodies, right? Right. And you think about something like a divorce Mm. or, or, or something like adultery. It's like, imagine you do that. You reconcile with your wife. She takes you back, but that woman still goes to the same church as you. Right. Right. It's like, probably you're, that's going to be awkward. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Or you may want to move. There's certain, there's certain situations where it's like, all right, I'm glad that I don't have this long string of X's that I see every day uh, when I, when I go around (laughs) now that would just like that, that just adds more work to your mental, like, I need to forget that I need to, To not think about that anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's just a thought that came to mind is like, how do you do that? um, Knowing what's appropriate and why you need good, golly men in your life, but then also knowing the publicity of the offenses deal in order to how do you deal with that?
0: Yeah. And and one of the things I actually hope that happens as a result of this book is so I I plan on having my wife read this at some point, but I also think uh, if you're a guy who um, just wants to put up some walls of accountability, even if you're doing well, a great way of doing that is like get getting this book to a group of friends that you trust and saying, Hey, like, why don't we read this together? And then as you're going through it, you're learning some of these same principles so that you can have a shared uh, shared trustworthiness and principles and for, yeah. yeah, okay, let's let's do this so that we can talk to each other when we need a place to uh, repent and confess, and then also get counsel for like how should we, yeah. um, you know, talk to our wife or whatever after it. So yeah. y- you can use this book as a way of getting getting there without just being like, hey, dude, I need to tell you some sin that I did. It's <laughs> <So> like. <laughs> Okay, uh, uh, sure, I guess. Right, but yeah, <laughs> where's the body? Hold on. <laughs> like, am I, he, I'm gonna have to take you to the police no, no, right no, no. Yeah, so okay, uh, well, let's briefly uh, talk about chapter three, How do humans work, And he talks uh, about human nature in these five different state. So on page 51, Jacob, do you want to just walk us uh, real yeah. briefly through these?
1: Yeah. So so just going to take us through, you know, basic anthropology. What is man? And he's going to look at five states. The first is man in his original state in the garden. So Adam and Eve before sin entered the world, they were righteous. They were not perfected. So they could still sin, but they didn't have any sin. Yep. Um, then there's the corrupted state. So Adam and Eve fall, they're exiled from Eden. This is sin nature. This is man apart from Christ, alienated from God. Yeah. Then you have redeemed state. And uh, Joe does something interesting. And he, again, kind of our last conversation um, in the previous Roman 7 yeah. question. Yeah. Yep. How do you interpret that? Breaks up this redeemed state into two. So state three and state four are both redeemed, but one is before Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, Really
0: before the fullness of the Spirit is the key here. Yeah,
1: exactly. So before the Holy Spirit, the New Testament, uh, the New Covenant era is sort of ratified and perfected. And then um, after that. um, And then the fifth state is glorified state, the new creation. When we have purified bodies and souls and we're resurrected and everything is
0: good. So that's our initial five stages and then on top of that or rather maybe within that he gives this three level um, kind of makeup of how we experience the world and he has what he calls the bottom the middle and the high uh, level. And so th- like this is each individual person has this function. So at the bottom level are automatic functions, breathing, digesting food, pumping blood, the things that keep you alive that your body just does according to its its own nature. Right. And then at the highest level, you have what we might call the mind or the intellect or the will, yep. your your level of rational and moral agency. And then you also, but what you also have is this middle level what we might call the sense appetite and this is uh, another way you might even talk about it is like your intuition or your instinct, the example he gives is of, of a rabbit escaping a wolf. So in some ways, this is just like the reactive senses that happen when, let's say, I see a Big Mac on a sign, and then I'm pulling over at the next exit because I want to eat it. Mm. Uh, so I had, I saw a picture, I saw an image, I saw a stimuli, and I was stimulated. So hmm. you see pretty girl, you want pretty girl, right? right. You see yummy food, so you want to eat yummy food. Yep. And that's the middle level and and then he gives us analogy for um de- describing these levels as someone trying to ride an elephant or yeah. a, a rider on top of an elephant. What do you
1: think of this analogy? The elephant analogy? yeah no, I thought it was I thought it was really helpful. I'm trying to make sure that I understand it correctly. So he essentially s- thinks of the Higher faculty, yeah. the the reason as the rider. Yeah, so that's you on top of the elephant. That's uh, and, and it's presuming obviously that the reason is the highest faculty. Yes. It's the seat of the soul. Yep. Um, it's basically the you stripped off of everything. Yeah. Um, now obviously that can be sinful, right? It could be it could be not in obedience to God, and you may not. It may want wicked things. Yeah. But that is the highest principle, and then the rider. Uh, so, sorry, the. Uh, The The elephant elephant. itself is both the lower and the middle. Yeah, well, we're not even really, it
0: doesn't really matter about the bottom level because if those aren't functioning, you're dead.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right, or you're handicapped, right? Like you're not, yeah.
0: Yeah, so so we're, we're really talking about how to rule over this middle level sense appetite, and he's going to say, hey, that's actually a pretty good description for uh kind of the flesh the flesh is uh, the body and its desires under the power and dominion of sin and the curse so kind of letting the elephant run wild he would say is living according to the flesh you're yeah. doing whatever the sense appetite wants and in and in that sense to kind of reverse the picture the elephant's riding you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you know you have no control and you're just holding like on, the wild horse letting going. it yeah letting yeah. it take you where it will right and so the christian life or this walking by the spirit that's what this whole book is about is kind of how do you tame the elephant how do you govern or to use abolition of man words rule that big fat belly yeah how do you rule that big fat belly so he's going to build on this we're going to come back to this uh, multiple times uh
1: through it any uh, final thoughts on these two chapters I think that's really, really helpful because um, what he's trying to do there with that middle category is he's trying to say there's something about us being, without going too deep into it and getting into a nitty gritty, he's trying to say there's something about us being embodied souls, which um, presents uh, this aspect of us that is Within and yet without our control, mm-hmm. right? Um, we talk a lot about you know habit, you know habitual sin or habits, yeah. um, or ways that we've been shaped and formed by culture and even our own upbringing, and that's what I think this middle category is really helpful at explaining and, and is saying, okay, um, y- you. Um, you have this baggage, right? Yeah. Or you have this inability to do something, which is both the result of sin and the result of environment. Yeah. Um, or, or um, as Lewis th- Lewis will talk about it in terms of um, uh, physiology. Yeah. Right. And you have the different yeah, temperaments Or yeah. yeah. Some people are just born with poor physiology. Yeah. Sorry, you've you've got a temperamental body. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really helpful because it presents ways of thinking that helps you fight. Because yeah. we think about all this is is more than a battle. We want to give ourselves categories to think through what does realistic progress look like mm-hmm. and how can we not get discouraged when it seems like our bodies are fighting us, yeah. uh, when it seems like that we really have very little control. But these categories help us to go, uh, actually, here's the different things that, in place and gives you framework to say, okay, no, we are making progress. It's just, it looks like this. Yeah. So I actually, I really, I really appreciated it.
0: Yeah. And I think this is just a, it's an analogy for what scripture describes all over the place. So Paul will talk about the Gentiles who live according to the flesh, who walk about uh, who are drawn away by their own lusts, right? So just even that image, they're drawn or pulled away by their own desire. So we all recognize that there's something, uh, there's us, but then there's this other us within right. us. And that we're these kind of, uh, even the unbeliever is this sort of like fractured, uh, divided person against themselves. Yeah. And then all the more, once you are given a new nature, now that now it's like, it's total warfare within you. Right. And one has to, uh, the spirit is waging war against the flesh.
1: And I think this is where, um, if you feel stuck, this is a place where you should put a stake in the ground for hope that you, that you, that knows there's a problem that you, that delights in the law and your inward being that you, that's saying, I know this is wrong and I want to be different. Mm -hmm. like, Re- claim that, that's you, that's the rider. And now take a step back. You, know, you may not even be on your elephant. <laughs> yeah. It may be, it may be galloping around, but look at it and realize that's me too. Yeah. And I have control of this. Now here's the promise of God to help me get in control of that. Here's a group of people to help me get in control of that. Yeah. I think that's a real place of hope is to say, okay, we feel that fracture but then even realizing, okay, if I didn't have this consciousness of the, of the f- fracturedness, yeah. that's actually a starting place. Yeah, a- And I think a lot of times we can just look at the fracturedness of it and then just assume there's no, there's no change.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like y- you, you don't like the way you are. You're asking the question, what is wrong with me? Hmm. Like, what is wrong with me? And without getting a proper diagnosis, so we know that we know the problem is sin, but do you actually realize all the different levels that sin has infiltrated on? Yeah. And if you're only fighting on one level, you're not gonna get victory. There has to be a complete a total transformation, a fight on multiple levels in order for that sin, for real change to, to actually happen. Yeah. So um, That's chapter 2 and 3. We hope you guys are uh, reading along and enjoying this book. If you have uh, thoughts on it, we also have a, a Facebook group for Man Reads uh, Monday if you want to post questions or comments or thoughts as you're reading along. Uh, but until next week, Jacob, what should people do?
1: Well, whatever people do this week, Aaron, they should, I think we added by faith last time. <laughs> so they should buy faith get that wisdom wait oh no i forgot get that wisdom build that house rule that big fat belly and stack dollars for the grandbabies